Right, to read first in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 14. Psalm 14 and verse 2. To the chief musician of Psalm of David, verse 2. Jehovah looked down from the heavens upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand that did seek God. Gospel of Luke, firstly Luke 15. Luke chapter 15, and we'll just read from verse 1. And all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near to him to hear him. Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spoke to them this parable, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, and having lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And having found it, he lays it upon his own shoulders, rejoicing. And come to the house, calls together the friends and the neighbours, saying to him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I say unto you that thus there shall be joy in heaven for one repenting sinner, more than for ninety and nine righteous who have no need of repentance. Luke chapter 19, and again from verse 1. Luke 19, verse 1. And he entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man by name called Zacchaeus. And he was chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the crowd, because he was little in stature. And running on before, he got up into a sycamore that he might see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when he came up to the place, Jesus looked up and saw him. And said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must remain in thy house. And he made haste and came down, and received him with joy. And all murmured when they saw it, saying, He has turned into lords with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I return him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, inasmuch as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And finally, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. John 4, verse, just, just the end of verse 23. For also, the Father seeks such as his worshippers. <clears throat> the impression that's been laid upon me for the Gospel this evening is the thought of seeking, looking. We began this morning with our hymn with an impression of the Lord seeking precious peril. And we close the occasion this morning with singing about all that God had sought. All that God had sought. All being secured in the blessed man, our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God is a seeking God. God has been seeking since the beginning. And we think about who God is. Think about his glory. Omniscience. Think of all that he has. Everything. God owns Everything. Everything belongs to him. And yet, dear friend, God desires you. God tonight is seeking you. If you don't come to him, if you don't come to put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've not come to him, come to God by repentance, tonight God is seeking you. He's seeking a relationship with you. And he's been seeking since the very beginning. You go back to Genesis chapter 3. God had created a perfect world. The Garden of Eden and all the rest. All perfect. He put a man and a woman there and told them not to do one thing. Of course we know 
Adam was, uh, <coughs> Eve was deceived and Adam sinned. But God comes down in the cool of the day. God comes down to talk with Adam and Eve. He came down to, <coughs> to have fellowship with them. God was looking for something. God is looking for a response from man. And tonight, God's looking for a response from us. God wants something back. He's created you and I. He's given us breath. He's given us a voice. We are created for, in the image of God, for the pleasure of God. One of the first questions God asks is, where are you? Where are you? He asked, what have you done too? But he asked, where are you? So where are you tonight? Where are we tonight? In the sight of a holy, righteous, sin-hating God. Where are we? I began in Psalm 14. Think of Jehovah. Think of God looking down upon the earth. Think of him looking down upon the earth tonight. To see if there are any that understand. They have God taking account of the world. You know, we, we get upset about the state of things. We get upset about things that we hear about. That we know that are going on. But God sees everything. And I'm not just talking about the big things. I'm talking about what's in here. The small thoughts. The small white lies. The little things that we tell ourselves are okay. God sees it all. speaks of nothing. All things being laid bare and apparent to God with whom we have to do. Jehovah looking down, scanning the earth. He did it. He did it in the times of Noah as well, didn't he? There is not one man that's righteous. Not so much as even one. He found Noah. A man who did what he was right in the sight of God. But he scanned the earth. And he repented that he'd made man. He repented of it. But he saved Noah. And his family. So Jehovah. Think of God tonight. Looking down. Think of him as he gives forth the gospel message once more. The gospel of his grace. The gospel of his love. Telling sinners that he loves them. That he wants a relationship with them. That they don't have to do anything for it. That Jesus has done it all. Think of God taking account of mankind refusing God's offer. And not seeking God. God tonight looking, scanning the earth. See if any that will understand that if anybody's hearts are open to accept the gospel. A very real thing, you know. You know, sometimes I think we have a kind of an abstract, abstract view of God, perhaps some a being, yes, that lives but exists outside of what I. But God is interested, and God is here. God created the heavens and the earth. He's revealed Himself as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit to draw near to you and I. To come near to us. 
to show us salvation, to show us love. So I read in Luke 15. A great seeking chapter. Great seeking chapter. Sheep have very little value in the world today. I know a a beef and sheep farmer down on the west coast and he says, if you go out in the morning and you find a cattle down, a cow down, he says, much concern about it. You go down and find a sheep, you're not bothered. But here we have God's estimation. One sheep was lost from this flock. One sheep. So, what's the point? I've got 99 left. What's the point in going after the one? Dear friend, this is a picture of God here. Going after you and I. Left the 99 in the wilderness. Go after that which is lost. Until he find it. God's seeking until he finds. Dear friend, God is seeking you. He sought me many years. God is looking for you. He's waiting for you. I think, you know, God hasn't... The creator God is not just, and I speak reverently here, is not sat on his throne and waited for you to come to him. He's not sat there just waiting. You know, like perhaps a king might do for those to draw near to him. The blessed God, the creator of the world has come near to you in Jesus. The king of kings and lord of lords humbled himself, was set in a stall in Bethlehem's manger to draw near to you and I. Sinners, those who had no right to God, those of us who had gone far away from him, had no thought of him. And yet Jesus came out into the wilderness to seek that which was lost. To find this one sheep. Having found it, lays it upon his shoulders rejoicing. Think of the rejoicing of heaven tonight. <clears throat> Think of the rejoicing of God over one repenting sinner. Of so much value to God. One sinner has so much value to God. Why? Because it cost him his blessed son. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. He gave the most valuable object for that. I'm not going to say which was valueless. Because in man's eyes perhaps, but not in God's eyes, for that which has intrinsic value. Think of that pearl of greatest value. God gave heaven's best for earth's worst. Now these are words we repeat often. But may they lay hold of us again that what we are before a holy and righteous God is sinners. <coughs> This book, the Bible, sets out how bad we are. It really does. 
There's all there's plenty of self-help books in the world that'll tell you how good you are, but they're of no help to you. But it also tells us how great God's love is. It gives us the problem, us. And it gives us the solution, Christ. The remedy is Jesus. So, lays it upon his shoulders. He carries this beast home with love. Think of the, the way that God would care for you. Think of the way that Jesus would care for you. As having found you. He's never going to let you go. You might be lost once. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone our own direction. We've all <clears throat> gone away. Those of us who know farming will know that sheep will just follow the next one. One after the other. Whether it's safe or not. We've all gone our own way. But God has come after us, seeking us. He draws back to himself. Luke 19. Here we have a man who was seeking Jesus. Finishes with, I really should probably start with the end of the, end of the section. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Not the righteous. I was going to read the other scripture at the beginning of Luke. It says that the Son of Man has not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, that Jesus didn't come for those who thought they had an ounce of good in themselves. He came for the lowest grade. And we have that in Luke 15, too. That's why I read the first couple of verses. You know, the Lord sat with the tax gatherers and the sinners. He wasn't interested in the Pharisees, those who thought they had some good in themselves. <coughs> who went about <coughs> thinking they were okay. No, <coughs> Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And we cannot overestimate the love of God. Or overstate, as you say, the love of God. And that he gave Jesus... His only begotten Son. Not only to come to look for us, but to save us. What did that involve? That involved the ignominy, the shame, the suffering of Calvary's cross. And all that that meant for Jesus... We think often of his, of his sufferings on the cross, but we do well to keep thinking of them. Because it is because of those sufferings that we are set free. Jesus went to Calvary's cross for you. He suffered the judgment of God for your sins and for mine. The one who himself bore my sins in his own body on the tree. The perfect, righteous, 
holy, sinless love of God. God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, gave up his life, (coughs) shed his precious blood. All that the Lord endured on the cross was for you and for me. Not for himself, he was there because without that sacrifice we would be lost and lost forever. But God loves you so much that he doesn't want you lost forever. He wants you. He wants you. He desires your presence. He desires a relationship with you. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Think of the Lord walking here. Think of who he was. Think of, think of God manifesting flesh. <clears throat> think of God actually being here in Jesus. Now this, this is a story we've read time and time again. But you know, Jesus was walking through Jericho. This man Zacchaeus wanted to see him, who he was. It wasn't just a passing interest. There was something working in Zacchaeus' soul here. He was chief tax gatherer, he was rich. That's the only two things we know about him. He had a house. But he wanted to see Jesus. He was interested. So he ran on ahead, he climbed up a tree. He did not know that Jesus wanted to see him. But he did. The Lord walked up to the What a surprise it must have been for Zacchaeus, the Lord of glory, the King of kings, to stop in his tracks and to look up and speak to Zacchaeus. What grace! Jesus, when he came up to the place, looked up and saw him. Make haste and come down, for I must remain. Zacchaeus, Lord, I'm a sinful man. You're going to stay with me? This is open to every single one of us. Every sinner in the world tonight, Jesus would stop for you. He would come, he would say, I want, think of the, think of the, what we have in, in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you'll open up the door, I'll come in and I'll sit down with you and I'll eat with you. That is the type of relationship that Jesus wants with you. He wants to set all things right in your life. He knows you're a sinner. He knew Zacchaeus was a sinner. He knows I've gone astray. He knows I've wandered. He knows my past. He knows all about me. Don't think that you're too bad to come to Jesus. Don't think you're too bad that God doesn't love you. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross is sufficient to save every single man, woman and child in the universe tonight. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. From the murderer in the prison to perhaps just the white liar or the small sinner in his own eyes. As parents, you soon find out The truth of what David says, we are born in sin and shapen in iniquity. 
doesn't matter from what background we come. It doesn't matter what household we're brought up into. It doesn't matter our circumstances of life. We're all sinners and we all need Jesus. The glory of it is that God drew near to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He came near. He came near to sinners. He showed how to draw near to sinners when he was here on earth. He's still doing it today. Today, salvation has come to this house. Salvation is come. Jesus is salvation. He created, he made it in... <coughs> He came here to make salvation known and to to work it out on the cross that God might have a righteous basis to save sinners tonight. And he did it completely and utterly perfectly. Thus that work in all its glory, every thought of God maintains. God hasn't given up anything to save you. It cost him Jesus Christ. It cost him his son But every single one of his attributes has remained completely and utterly intact. It would not be salvation otherwise. God is righteous. God is holy. God is sin-hating. God is love. They go on hand in hand because of the glory of the work on the cross. What Jesus has done. I finish with John 4. This woman... She was a sinner. She had done bad things in her life. She knew all about them. The Lord knew all about them. But the Lord opened something wonderful to her. The Father. The Father. Not just God. The Father seeks such as his worshippers. The Father. What a wondrous thing it is, you know. To come to God and find in him a father. A loving father. A heavenly father. A father that will never let you down. A father that tonight is seeking worshippers. He's seeking a response. He's seeking something from my heart. The father seeks such as his worshippers. Well... That's the reason that's the reason that God created the heavens and the earth. That's the reason he created you and I. Was for a response to himself. Was for a response Godward. But it must come from those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. It must come from those who have a recognition of what we are before God in the first instance. God knows what we are. He wants us to face it for ourselves. Facing it for ourselves, we come to Jesus and his work on the cross. And we recognize that that work was done once and once for all and done for us. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And we're brought to worship the Father. For all that he is, praise him for all that he's done. Well, these are simple thoughts, feebly spoken. But may lay hold of us afresh that God was here. God is here. And God is a seeking God. We think of the glory of who God is, I said at the beginning. 
All his power, all his majesty, all his might, that the fact that everything belongs to him. And yet, I speak guardedly, he needs something, something else. He needs a response to his love. He needs a response to all that's been revealed. And he's given Jesus Christ, his well-beloved son, that we, the sinners, we sinners who have gone away by our own volition and our own free will, might be drawn back to him. Drawn back to him in love. Not in, not in an arbitrary way. Not in, not in any forceful way. But dear friend, God has revealed his love to you. God has revealed his grace. God has revealed his mercy. God has revealed to appoint his person in Jesus. He's laid it out. You might say it's a feast for you tonight. Come and accept Jesus. Do not put it off. And if we've come before, as I'm sure many of us haven't here, come again. Let us, let us recognize the glory of the Father seeking. The Father coming out towards us and drawing us back to himself. And may we, may we seek first the kingdom of God. May that, be, may that be our first portion. May that be our first waking thought. May it be what we are engaged in, seeking first the kingdom of God, as the Lord said in Matthew. And all the other things, all the other bits of life that perhaps we like to occupy ourselves with a little bit more, they'll find that these things fall into place as we seek first what is for God and what is for the Lord. May it be so for his namesake.